It's time for the Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a nationwide leader in background checks and employment screening solutions. People G2 gives their clients access to the best human capital management and due diligence tools available. They are dedicated to helping their clients with all of their people-related decisions. To learn more, go to www.peopleg2.com. Talent Talk centers on the topics of talent recruitment and management, leadership development, company culture, and employee engagement. These are all timely topics for CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR professionals, and business leaders. We hope that as you tune in to listen each week, whether to the live broadcast or to the podcast on iTunes or iHeartRadio, that you hear something you can take away that will help you grow and impact your career in a positive way. And now, here's the host of the Talent Talk Radio Show, the founder and CEO of People G2, Chris Dyer. Welcome to Talent Talk. It's Tuesday, and we are here once again to talk to two awesome people about talent, about how they're managing their talent, hopefully to discover some secrets and really cool things that they're doing, that they're thinking about, and that you can take our conversation, and it is my hope, put it into your own life, put it into somewhere where you can help your company, help yourself personally, help your team, whatever it may be. And we, we really do this by having this conversation. And as I've told you guys all many times before, I used to go and just get people at a conference, pull them to the side and ask them a million questions in the corner before they would run away and, and you know, and try to escape me as I would try to just learn as much as I could from people who I respected, who I thought were really smart, who are doing something maybe cool or interesting or new. And uh, as it turns out, other people wanted to know these things too. Other people were interested in what I was learning from these other leaders, uh, from these other personalities, from these authors, these consultants, CEOs, whoever they may be. And so this show is really a, a sort of a, an evolution of that uh, thing that I used to do many years ago. And we have, we've really been able to curate so many wonderful stories from our guests over the years. Uh, you can check out my first book, which has a lot of those stories, The Power of Company Culture. You can get it wherever you buy books. And then, you know, the world went and changed on us and uh, everybody went remote and my organization was already remote. And so my next book is called Remote Work. Uh, and you can pre-order that on Amazon or wherever you buy books. Uh, and that would be filled with more stories about, you know, what happened uh, as companies suddenly found themselves remote. What have good companies been doing who are already remote? And how can you maybe use this as a long-term solution, not just as a pandemic band-aid uh, to help your company? So um, as, as you probably know, or just don't forget, we do tape this live, um, Tuesdays, 1 PM Pacific standard time. You can listen to this live. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter at people G2 and Angela, my social media coordinator actually live tweets during the show, putting in all the best quotes, ignoring anything stupid. We say, uh, putting in links to the profiles of the guests and books and anything else that maybe you wish you would have written down if you were driving or something. It can be found there, or you can even ask us a question and she can try to feed it into me while we're live if you're doing that. Or of course, after the show, uh, myself and the guests are happy to continue that conversation there. Um, but you, most of you get us uh, on one of the podcast feeds. So thank you so much for doing that. If you haven't subscribed to one of those, please go and do that. That way you make sure that you don't miss an episode. You can find us on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, I mean, wherever there's a podcast laying around, um, we probably are there. So just find uh, Talent Talk in my name and you can subscribe 
and let the technology do its work and let you know when there's a new episode. All right, and I'm going to talk about who my guests are today. Many of you who are longtime listeners of the show know that I could probably mispronounce my own mother's name. Um, I generally mis mispronounce uh, everyone's names, and we used to have, I think, we used to go into the studio. Paul was threatening me with a uh, our producer with a with a jar that I would have to put money into if I ever missed pronounce someone's name. Of course, I refused because I would be totally poor and destitute at this point. I'm going to give it my best shot, and I'm sure my guests will help me if if needed. But my first guest on the show today will be Hortense Lou uh, Gentile, author of the best selling and highly acclaimed book Align: Connecting Your True Self with the Leader You're Meant to Be. She's also an executive leadership coach. And then um, the second guest will bring in Jason Forrest of Forrest Performance Group, CEO. Since I actually, I think, was close to her name, I probably messed up his name somehow without knowing it. We'll find out later on. But Jason will join me after the commercial break. But let's go ahead and bring in my first guest. I'm super excited for you to be here. Uh, wel welcome to the show, Hortense. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm delighted to be here with you today. Thank you. Yes, yeah, so uh, I know you're calling in from New York, even though I'm sure people can hear your your French accent there. So maybe tell us who you are, where you came from, why are you in New York now? What is your company? Do you like what's important for us to know uh, for our conversation today? Yeah, so yes, I'm living in New York and working in New York right now. So I am from France, uh, as uh, my accent can tell. So I was uh, born and raised uh, in France. And I, I was always passionate by, about America, and I took the scenic road to, uh, to get here, but I'm here. <laughs> so my, my career began with horses and show jumping, so I was very passionate about that, and I learned a lot uh, about uh, alignment, so, you know, with the horse and how you feel the horse. And uh, I then studied marketing, both in Paris and in Boston, and I work for a large company in advertising agency and media. Until, uh, for years I did that. And years later, I felt completely disconnected from my dreams. Uh, so I became an entrepreneur and I, I, I founded a, a, a firm of steel recycling industry. And uh, a decade later, a friend of mine asked me to coach uh, uh, someone and I told him, no, I don't know what is a coach and uh, I, I cannot do that. But I, I you know, I, I jump in and I try and then I absolutely found my calling. So I, you know, I found that moment where you, you are very aligned. So, right. and you, you know, it's your way, you know, you can make a difference, you know, you, you know, you know, it's here. So uh, from there, I, I, I stopped, you know, I closed the door from entrepreneurial and opened the door of uh, my new career as a leader, um, executive leadership coach. And I'm coaching, um, I'm coaching senior executive all over the world to unlock uh, their potential. And Marshall Goldsmith, I don't know if you know Marshall Goldsmith. Of course, Marshall just wrote our forward for my okay. new book, Remote Work. So I'm very familiar with Marshall Goldsmith. Okay. Uh, so and I think you're listed as one of his top 100 leaders. Is that right? Or coach? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So he, he made me this big honor. I had this big honor to be part of uh, of his world. And and he asked me, you know, he told me, you urged me to write a book to explain my, my coaching. So that's how I, I, I wrote uh, Aligned. Uh, connecting your true self with the leader you meant to be was released one year ago. 
and the audiobook is uh, is going to be released in in two weeks from now. And I'm now working on my second book, Unlocked, after almost one year of locking, you know, lock. Um, what does that mean? And how you unlock yourself? And I moved to New York uh, one year and a half ago, just you know, before pandemic. <laughs> right, just in time, just in time to get locked down. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you, you, you mentioned a lot in there, and I, one of the things that you started was talking about horses, and uh, which is interesting because I grew up riding horses uh, up until maybe about high school, and then sports kind of took over, and then college and work kind of stopped. But you know, it's an interesting correlation between. You know, someone who is a proficient writer, who has the right temperament to be a good writer, being combined with uh, the right horse, right? And the right temperament and the right trained horse. I mean, if you have those two things going together, you barely even have to think about what you want that horse to do. And it does it, right? I, I mean, you barely even move in your saddle. And it's like it knows it wants you to go left or go to right or to be careful. And it, it's a something that's really hard to explain to someone who hasn't ridden a horse. On the flip side... You can be on a horse that doesn't know what they're doing or has the wrong temperament and you can't, it is like you are holding on for dear life um, because that horse just has a mind of its own or you two aren't connected. And as you were talking, I just, it was like suddenly a, an analogy for work, right? If you have the wrong people on your team, if you have the wrong boss, if you have the wrong uh, just temperament, right? If the organization doesn't fit your temperament, they may work for somebody else that doesn't work for you. Do you see that as sort of a, a good analogy for alignment? I mean, is that a good place to start? I, for me, it, it was like, you know, a little light bulb went on as you were talking. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's what I, I tried to do uh, uh, to explain the book or so. This is my metaphor, but exactly because, you know, we are two uh, beings, in fact. So the first thing is you have to connect, as you say. So you have to connect. So how do you do, do that? So Because the horse can feel empathy, as you know. So how, how you connect, you know, both of, the, of, of you. So you have to feel the horse, understand the horse and vice, vice versa and increase your confidence because you have to make the, the horse being confident in yourself and, 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 and vice versa also. And, and then all together, like the company, all together, you know, like the CEO, like the leader who try to connect with, uh, with the team and with the person who, uh, with uh, the leader, the, 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 his team, you know, connected with his team, and after make them belongs, make one, you know, behind the same purpose, you know, this what I call the alignment of alignments <laughs> with the, with us, mm -hmm. because it's really you know this notion of all together, how we can prepare work and prepare for the perfect jump. So you know, when when you should jumper. Uh, you know, you have a lot to, uh, to do and you have to work a lot, you know, before, uh, you're taking the perfect jump. So yes, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. This is, uh, uh, I think this is where I, my alignment, uh, what I learned, um, alignment begin, in fact, you know. I remember learning from, uh, I guess I've always just sort of been this kind of person I would watch this trainer, this guy, he was partly a trainer and he did some maintenance around the stable where we had the horses and, uh, and mind you, I didn't own any horses. I found a way to like let people convince people to let me exercise their horses, which means I got to ride them and I didn't actually own any horses, but my friend did. She owned a horse. And so it was a way I got to like have a horse. And that. but I, I learned from this guy, he would walk up if a new horse came to the stable, he would walk up and sort of 
you know, horses do that kind of a really violent exhale, sneeze kind of a thing. Uh, and he would go up and do that, his own version of that to the horse, sort of that mimicking that that response that a horse has. And I noticed when he did that, those him and that horse were connected immediately. Sort of, it was like this little ritual. And so I began doing it. And anytime I meet a horse, I do it. People think I'm crazy. And it, I don't have ever have a problem with the horse, right? It's almost like this, it's almost like a handshake, right? Is there something that leaders should be doing right away to try to do that sort of, obviously we want leaders going up and blowing in someone's face, but I mean, figuratively, is there something a leader can do to, to try to connect with someone right away, to try to create that connection as a good starting point on day one? Yes, I think so. So I think, you know, uh, in order to do that correctly, you first have to be, uh, to have clarity on who you are. So what kind of leader mm. you want to be, what mes message you want to do, and how do you want to remember? So, you know, really be aligned with your value, your why, and, 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 and again, because if not, you don't know with what to align, right? So, uh, so knowing yourself, knowing what you want to do and what kind of message. Uh, and what kind of leader you want to be. And from there, exactly like the rider, you know, what, what do you want to do? Do you go to prepare for, uh, for the show jumping or for the dressage or, or I don't know, but you, you have to know what you want to do. So if it's clear for you, it's going to be clear for others. And from there, yes, it's more, much more about listening, asking questions, exactly, you know, like the, the rider. So, the rider, as you say, is looking at the horse, you know, feeling the horse. It's the same here. He's not going to feel, mm -hmm. but I mean, I'm not, not this way, but he's not going to touch, but I mean, he's going to feel to ask questions. Say, ah, oh, this person. Okay. I have to connect. How can I connect with this person? So first is not to arrive and say, Oh, I am the boss. You know, and I, I am everyone, somebody that I know everything. I'm a superhero. No, no, no. It's not, not at all about that. It's really about connection human to human. So for that, you have to, again, step back and observe. And from there, connect. Because yeah. you know. So because you, you, you took time to, uh, to listen. Uh, so you, you, you know the way to connect, or how you can connect with, with your team, with, with the person. And especially in this time of crisis and, and uh, with the Zoom and everything. This is absolutely something that you have to do. Yeah. To, to connect with people, to understand how they feel. So this, this and, and, and from there, all together, you know, try to uh, share your purpose and share and, and see how this purpose can help the purpose of, of, of the person in your team and yeah. align those purposes. This is what I learned, what I call this uh, uh, alignment of alignments. So because each one, each person had to be aligned, because if you know why you're going to work, if you know that is going to help you to achieve your your dream, for example, or, or a step to your dream, you don't want to work because you have to 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 work. You go to work to get your dream. For example, you know, uh, uh, I have a uh, in a store there is a there is a manager who, uh, when uh, he interview people, the first thing he said I asked was, "What is your dream?" For example, if your dream is to uh, buy a big house for your kids or whatever. So he said, okay, so we prepare, you know, uh, uh, your career profile and, you know, what, what you can expect from there, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, the person is coming here and he knows why, or she knows why, you know, uh, she or he is working there. 
And it's exactly like horses, like you said, because if you cannot connect with your horse, and the horse is very difficult because animals, they don't speak. So everything is about feeling. It's, you know, it's the eyes, it's observing, it's having a step back, take your time, be patient. If you arrive with, you know, near, nearby your horse, uh, very nervous, you walk, you, your, your horse is going to feel it. You can do what you want. He's not going to go your way. And you are not going to fight until, you know, 500 kilos. So this yeah. is not possible. So you, you cannot. So exactly the same as a leader. You cannot fight because, you know, fight, fighting, you know, that doesn't mean anything. It's all together. We are in the same boat and all together. Because you have, as a leader, you have your true north, your alignment, who you are, and especially in this, again, in this crisis, in the middle of this storm, you know, you know to find your true north because, you know, there is no playbook. So where to go? Where to go? It's, it's not written in the star. So it's here, you know, go back to yourself, you know, what is your value, your why, you know, why you're doing that. So this is going to guide you. This is going to be your compass. Uh, uh, well, and what I like about the word alignment is it ma makes makes me think of like a puzzle piece, right? And and a, so one puzzle piece fits into another, but it doesn't fit into somewhere else, you know. And so, uh, you're what you're talking about from alignment is is really figuring out that other person. Yes, you need to know who you are. You need to know what you can do and all of that. And and that's an important journey everyone has to go through. But when you just ask those simple questions and you talk to someone, you gave the example of that. What was their goal? What do they want to do? Because I've noticed sometimes alignment means I need to coach that person. I need to help that person. They're in a position where they need me to really help them reach their goals. And with somebody else, alignment means I need to leave them alone. I need to get out of their way. I need to, to not, you know, do things that are going to cause them to go slower because they're so good at what they do, right? Mm -hmm. That they don't need me to... To, to be constantly tell me what you're doing and tell me what you've done. I, you know, that those kind of high performing people don't need all of those things. They need me to help them you know, clear the roadway. So almost like a thoroughbred, right? They can, they're just a fast horse. They just need me to make sure that they can run fast and get mm -hmm. out of the way. Um, mm -hmm. So it, it's interesting to hear the sort of different strategies, the different needs. It's, it's, it isn't one size fits all. I think leaders sometimes really want it boiled down, just tell me the five things I'm supposed to do and go do them. And it's not really what good leadership is, right? It's so variable from person to person. Yeah, it's all a question uh, uh, of how to, do you adapt to, to your audience? As you say, so you have a horse who is going to go very fast and then going to that, doing that very well, you're not go you let go. But if you, you know that he has to learn how to jump, um, I don't know, a river, for example. So you practice and you practice and you help him. So, yeah, and the leader, it's exactly the same. It's all this, again, this feeling, this, you know, yeah. observation of uh, uh, the, the person who is in front of you. So what is the biggest maybe disruption or what's the, the, what's the thing that gets in people's way for them to really achieve alignment? I think it's uh, hyperactivity. I had a client who was, you know, like, um, like a chicken without head. So <laughs> it was, you know, it was running everywhere, you know, running from a meeting to a plane to another meeting to, uh, so it was crazy. And one day I said, you know, I'm very lonely and sad. I said, why? I said, because I, 
I'm working a lot, but you know, things are not going that well. And so we work on that. And I told him, you know, this, this, that, that I have this picture of him. And I said, you know, it, you you have, you are the head. The body is a company, but you don't have any neck and the neck is a communication. So doesn't work. (laughs) And so, uh, and so we work on that and how, you know, how, you know, to put back a neck. And so to clear the agenda, to uh, come back to himself, what kind of leader he wants to be, what, what prioritize, what are his priorities? Yes. Uh, (laughs) So uh, how do you, you know, uh, what kind of leader he wants to be, what message he wants to be. So clear the calendar, go back to himself, hit the post button, and from there, communicate with others. So he met each uh, person of his team personally and took that time that we were talking about, listening, asking questions, and try to understand why why and why they, they didn't understand and why they, they didn't follow that. And so it worked. And, you know, and he was feeling he was much more productive. Everyone was much more productive and, and much more happy. And energized, of course, because, they, they, you know, you understand why. Yeah, I, I've often challenged some of my CEO friends who who sort of stated what you did, right? That that feeling frenzy, feeling like they were going from one to the next. And then at the same time, this is a very common, sad and lonely. And they did, right, it's sort of sad at the top. It's lonely at the top. And, you know, I, I know what I've done in the past is gone somewhere for a week or two weeks and like, you know, turn off my phone. Or in the old days when I used to go to Europe, my phone didn't work there. It was fantastic. No one could get a hold of me. I couldn't use Wi-Fi, right? It was like, you know, maybe once in a great while I could get on the internet somewhere and check my email. But like, it was good to disconnect. And when I came back, I would ask my staff, okay, so what did you really miss from me? What my what did my absence actually uncover for you Like that you actually need me for? And then what they told me, and then it was like in reflecting for me, like, well, I thought they would need me for A, B, and C, and they didn't need me for that. Like they were fine. They had they were covered. Okay, I don't have to worry about that anymore. You know, yeah, That's they need good. me for for D and E, but I, you know, I can do that. But I don't, you know, have to. I think we get as leaders, we get caught up in the minutia and all the, you know, all these meetings and things that are put on the calendar, but maybe aren't rethought about. And with the pandemic, with this everything going on, maybe this has helped people or forced people to rethink about how they're going to be aligned and how they're going to connect. Have you seen any lessons come out of this, this, this last, you know, year that maybe we should be thinking about keeping or taking with us? You know, I think uh, it's all about, you know, again, going back to yourself because, you know, if you cannot go outside, go inside and reflect on what kind of leader you want to be and increase you we are humans so the i think the humanity uh, the leadership with humanity is increased of course like we said to connect with your people listen don't be afraid to lose your time lose you don't lose you know connecting uh, with others asking them how they are and everything so it makes all the difference and be resilient, of course. And it's really, you know, the leadership to lead with all your body parts, not only your, your, your mindset, your mind, your, your left, uh, the left side of your mind, mm-hmm. but your emotional life. And don't be afraid to be emotional, you know, or, or of your emotion, because your emotion are the way to connect with people mm-hmm. because we are all suffering. So, you know, yeah. so it's okay. 
And, uh, you know, there is no playbook again. So it's okay to, again, to, um, you don't know what you don't know. So it's okay also to, uh, you don't have to be the hero and, think uh, about it. and know. fix everything. Yeah. I think this is what we learn. And well, I want to make sure that people can find you. Obviously they can look you up in your association with Marshall Goldsmith, but in case anyone is a little bit challenged like me and wouldn't know how to spell her name. Let me spell it for you so you can look her up. H-O-R-T-E-N-S-E. The next word is L-E. And her, the last uh, word is G-E-N-T-I-L. But where can people find you online? What's the best way for them to learn more about you or to contact you if they want to work with you or maybe uh, read uh, Alignment or your new book, Unlocked? I think it's my my website. So it's my name again, uh, .com. So HortenseLeGentil.com uh, <laughs> or, <laughs> or on LinkedIn. On LinkedIn, I am also on LinkedIn. And everything uh, on, on Marshall. Uh, I am also a part of the of the coaches on Marshall Goldsmith's uh, website also. You can always go to at People G2. We'll have the link there to the profile as well. But thank you so much for being a part of the show. I learned a lot and I'm really excited to check out your next book. And uh, hopefully we can have you come back maybe at some point when that's out and we can catch up on how you're doing and, and learn, learn even more from you. I'd love to. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you. I right, will be Take right care. back after this quick commercial break and we'll bring in our second guest, Jason Forrest. Imagine buying a newspaper and discovering that the news you're reading is six months old. There isn't much that stays the same for six months. And the same thing goes for background checks. In a time when so much outdated information is being passed around, it's good to know that People G2 offers something different. At People G2, we provide today's intelligence, not yesterday's news. Our value-added approach offers you a fully FCRA-compliant solution that includes up-to-the-minute information. By combining industry-leading technology with old-school human investigation, People G2 is able to give you information that is accurate right now, delivered quickly to our online system, or integrated with your HR system. So ask yourself, are you comfortable working with old news, or are you ready for a different kind of background check company? Visit PeopleG2.com or call 800-630-2880. That's 800-630-2880 or PeopleG2.com. Welcome back to Talent Talk Radio Show. In case you missed my first guest or any other guests we've had on the show in the last few years, you can always go to TalentTalkRadio.com. You can subscribe there or find us on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you find your podcast. We're there. Look up Talent Talk and Chris Dyer. And subscribe, and then you'll never miss another episode. Uh, I'm excited to bring in my uh, next guest. Um, it, we're going to go ahead and bring in uh, Jason Forrest. He is a Forrest Performance Group and a CEO. Uh, Jason, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. So why don't you tell them a little bit about yourself, what you do, what your company does, you know, what's important for us to know in our conversation for today? Yeah, sure. We basically do three things. So number one, uh, we are a recruiting company. We'll go find a fearless sales warrior for you. Use third-party assessments to make sure they're better than half the existing team. And then put them through our 90-day warrior selling training program and then guarantee their success. Second thing we do is, is train your existing salespeople, uh, turning them in from kind of a helper mentality to a leader and a warrior. And then number three is uh, a sales management program that turns your sales managers into the Bill Belichick, Nick Saban, Pete Carroll of sales management coaching. Wow, that's quite a uh, promise there. That's quite a uh, thing. So uh, what what sort of got you into that? What, where, how did you end up, you know, 
training, uh, recruiting and training, uh, you know, sales professionals for organizations. So I started the company uh, over over 15, or about 15 years ago, uh, left corporate America, wanted to kind of reinvent the training space. You know, training by definition is to change behavior, but there's a ton of sales trainers out there that can that actually don't change behavior. Uh, I wrote a book a few years ago called WTF, which stands for obviously why training fails. 164 billion is spent every year on training, 70% fails to achieve an ROI. So I wanted to kind of figure out how to be that consulting sales training company being that 30%. Uh, we added the recruiting arm about a year and a half ago because we could not find a sales recruiting partner out there that um, knew everything we knew, meaning that 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 uh, most recruiting companies, they, they kind of dabble in sales. Sales is not really their focus. Um, and those that did, they wouldn't use assessments. It said it slowed down their process. I thought that was kind of an integrity issue. They don't have neuro-linguistic programming, which is what my background is, to understand the true brain wiring that makes a, a human being kind of perform at a high level. So we have neuro-linguistic programming, programming interview questions, assessments to validate it. Uh, and then, of course, we added the training component to be built in. So really, we are a training company that does recruiting, which is a really interesting need or interesting niche because you know we're, we're able to really understand how a person's going to make it or not make it. And we understand the specific DNA and the qualities and characteristics that a lot of recruiters don't because they don't, they don't deal with the person after the person gets hired. They just deal with them in the interview. So then what makes someone a sales warrior? Well, so first off, a, a warrior is an advocate. So I want everyone to see that. A warrior is a first responder. You know, you think of the firefighters, the the uh, army and the military. A warrior is a first responder. They're the ones that are kind of putting everything on the line. And but at the same time, they're a protector. So they're a protector for the customer's best interest. They're a protector from the customer spending less and getting less, getting manipulated and conned by the, you know, the other competing organizations out there. But they're also a protector of their company's brand and value and profit margin. You know, they're a warrior from that standpoint, as well as being an advocate. You know, I noticed there are sometimes maybe characteristics of a good salesperson, and maybe you could tell us if there's maybe specific ones for the, the sales warrior that people should be thinking about when hiring, because really easy to like oversimplify it where you're not giving people salespeople enough support. And there's some very basic things that any decent salesperson already knows. And so, yeah, duh. And yet you can go like super complicated. You know, you can go to these big systems that promise you the world. And if you don't implement them, I mean, I could probably throw a few out there and get a little hate mail. But, you know, there's a few out there that are just huge and complicated. And unless you do it perfectly to the letter of the law, it's not really valuable for the salesperson, right? It always seems like it comes back down to more their characteristics, their ability to, to execute, to understand, to, to relate. You know, are, are there certain things that you're generally looking for? Yeah, sure. So, so my last last name is Forrest, and so I look for for Gumps, right? Forrest Gumps. I look for Gumps. So the Gump stands for goal oriented, unleashed, motivated, procedural based. So mm -hmm. goal oriented, and we can actually we have assessments that can measure this. The goal oriented is a salesperson that wakes up every day very clear on what their targets are. You know, here's who I'm going after today. Here's why I'm going after them. Here's how I'm going to pursue them, get them to move move the sale forward. Here's what's stopping me. So they're very clear on their targets every single day. If a person has low goal clarity, then their boss is telling them who to follow up with. Many managers listening right now, if you're if you're asking your salespeople, hey, have you followed up with Chris Dyer in a while? You know, well, that's that salesperson has low goal clarity. 
High goal clarity is the salesperson's telling, the sales warrior's telling the boss who they're following up with. U stands for unleashed, unleashed of their, their leashes. And there's four types of leashes, self-image, stories, reluctances, and rules. Stories, self-image, reluctances, and rules. And these are kind of the limiting beliefs that hold people back from executing. And then M stands for motivation. So we want high energy. So a lot of salespeople might be kind of all hat, no cattle. You know, they, they talk a big game. Uh, they say all these big promises that they're going to deliver on, but they don't have the energy to follow through. And so you got to have lots of energy to overcome the ghosting and do all the prospecting. And then P stands for procedural based. That's a neuro-linguistic programming meta pattern in the brain. There are two types of meta patterns. There's an option based meta pattern and a procedural based. So if you have a salesperson that says, Hey, you know, every customer is different. So I don't really follow a script. I don't follow a process. Every customer is different. I kind of wing it. I kind of just go with, okay, that's an option-based salesperson. Option-based salespeople follow option-based processes, which lead to option-based inconsistent income. Procedural-based salespeople follow a process that leads to predictable income. So that's, that's the gump, goal-oriented, unleashed, motivated, procedural-based. That's the characteristics that we look for in our recruiting program. So I was going to ask you, Mike, kind of as a follow-up, what are some of the reasons that maybe salespeople fail? It sounds like one of them might be that they're that option-based, but you know, what are some of the things that you see them doing consistently where, where they're failing? Well, the biggest thing is going back for that you. So once let's just let's presuppose a salesperson has high goal clarity on what they want to accomplish. Let's presuppose they've got high motivation. Uh, let's presuppose that they do have those, they do follow procedures. But what would stop them is the leashes. So let's just, let's look at some obvious leashes, right? So March of COVID came out. So I wrote a book in March of 2020 said called how to sell through the coronavirus, how to sell through the coronavirus. Well, that's because in March of March of 2020, everyone said, stop selling, start helping. Listen, Chris, listen to that presupposition there that says that if I sell you something, I'm not helping you. Well, that's a, that's a leash. That's a mental limiting belief that holds people back. For example, if I ask a salesperson, hey, so you got 10 prospects and I need you to ask every single one of them, you know, hey, so what questions or concerns do you have with moving forward with us today? And of those 10, how did you ask that question to? They said, well, I asked it with one or two. Why didn't you ask the other eight? Well, they're going to say self-image something. They're going to some, they didn't have a, a confidence. They needed to ask it or they're going to have a story. I can already tell you, Jason, they're not going to buy because they can't afford it or because of this or that. You know, they're kind of having biases. Or maybe it's a reluctance. They don't want to come across too pushy. Or maybe it's a rule. They feel like they haven't earned the right yet to ask that question. The number one thing that holds people back, in my opinion, from earning what they're truly worth is are these leashes, this self-worth, self-confidence, story, self-reluctance, fear uh, that holds people back. And that's the stuff that we can really work on. Well, I love that idea of sort of the mindset, the story, right, that salespeople tell themselves, no matter who I've had in, in different organizations in sales, I can go back and think of a consistent time when they say, well, this time of year, and I would go back and show them their numbers and show them, no, that's not true. Like we have literally had great fourth quarters. We've had great Decembers. And yet you're walking in or telling me that people are already not going to call you back. They're already not going to sign a contract. And I'm like, they get into these like little stories in their head that, I don't know if it's society or the world or whatever. They just, and yet if they go into it with the mindset of they are going to close in December because they want a new solution for next year, right? This is when they have to spend their 
their their budgets or they have to make decisions or whatever. It's a totally different mindset. It's amazing how they'll flip, right? How how much success can can come out of the story that someone is telling themselves. Is that also maybe a part of the process of what makes a good salesperson is to make sure that we understand the story of what the potential client is telling us as well? Absolutely. Yeah. We we, we have we must get into, you know, like for example, let's say a customer says, I'm just not sure that's something that we can afford right now. All they're saying is that I, I'm I currently don't believe that it's worth putting money towards because I don't believe there's going to be a return on investment. So that, right. that's just that's a selling issue. You know, we just haven't we haven't shown them the value. This is a problem you currently have, and we've got a solution that will solve that problem. That's really what selling, you know, that's what selling is. So, like in our clients, for example, in March and April of, of 2020, 90% of our clients that were in our full program met or exceeded their sales goals when their competitors were shutting the doors down and firing people. So to me, selling is helping, you know, because our, our firm was able to help 90% of our clients keep the doors open, hire more people, not have to get government aid, you know, not have to use taxpayer money. I mean, that's all good, right? Well, some people probably did both, but. <laughs> or they did both. That's fine. I mean, they leveraged, you know, they leveraged it, right? But I just, I mean, yes, but the idea behind, so here's a great kind of leash buster. So again, in the book, I wrote a book last year called uh, The Mindset of a Sales Warrior, 43 Mental Toughness Strategies on How to Remove the Self-Image Stories, Reluctances, and Rules that Hold People Back from Earning What They're Truly Worth. Here's an exercise everyone can say, can do, and that is, it is, you know, I could sell more if only dot, dot, dot. So I could sell more if only COVID wasn't around. I could sell more if only... I could be face-to-face -face with a person via, via versus Zoom. Everyone buys face-to-face. -face. I could sell more if only if I could travel again and take people out to steak restaurants and spend lots of money on them. I can sell more if only marketing gave me better leads. But you could keep going, right? right. And, and, to, and to your point, Chris, is that for every single person that says, you know, I could sell more if only, there is someone out there in their company that is selling more without those if onlys. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. And and we we saw that. I mean, we I was shocked at the end of this year when we actually beat our sales goal that we created before the pandemic started, right? And we went out and sold. Now, our our base business did not that my sales team has nothing to do with the base business, right? We did see drops in that economy went down, businesses closed. I mean, there was that stuff, but for new sales to come in, that was like, wow, right? And so they went out and did the work without putting those barriers in front of them. And sort of attribute some of that to the coaching or the managing they got. But I did want to ask you sort of maybe what, what's the difference between maybe someone who's coming in and acting as a sales coach versus maybe what you think a sales manager should be doing. So, so I did write a book on that too called Leadership Sales Coaching, Transforming from Manager to Coach. And so the philosophy All you do is write books. How many books do you have? I have seven books. Seven, seven, seven books. books. All right. Love it. Okay. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> So the idea behind this, this book and this book, Leadership Sales Coaching is listed as the number one sales management training program in the world. And the book is used at, at, at several universities in their sales MBA program. So Leadership Sales Coaching. But the concept behind it is that a manager makes things easier for a salesperson. A coach makes people better. So if you go back to like the nine P's of sales and marketing that we like knew, you know, know about from MBA 101, right? So you've got on the marketing P side, you've got product, place, promotion, positioning, price, 
packaging, okay? Those are marketing P's that must be managed. And if we manage those marketing P's, we get what I call market sales. Those are sales that come from marketing and we need to manage, we gotta manage the place, we gotta manage the packaging, which is the website, we gotta manage the price, we gotta manage the positioning, the promotion. We gotta manage these things, right? But sales P's are people, process, pitch. So for sales P's, we coach sales P's, we manage marketing P's, mm. right? And the problem is, is most sales managers, they come from the sales side and they should be a sales coach that is coaching people, process, and pitch, which people is the mindset, the beliefs, the leashes. They should be coaching that side, but, because, but their company has a really piss poor job description and their bosses don't really know what a sales coach is supposed to do. So they end up asking them all of these questions that have to do with their packaging, their promotion, their product, their price, et cetera, right? Their positioning. And they're asking them the wrong questions. They should be asking them around their pitch, their people, and their, and their process. It's kind of this almost hamster wheel because I've never met a sales manager that said, Yes, I was a top salesperson. And the thing that I like to do more than anything now is sit in a meeting some day, you know, meet, meeting every day talking about marketing piece. No sales manager wants to do that. They want to be a coach in the field, but no one's clearly defined this is actually what you're supposed to be doing. I think that's a really important distinction. And, you know, if we can sort of break that up and keep it simpler for them on what they need to focus on in the sales realm. And then, like you said, take those other pieces and focus it more on the marketing realm. I think that is a mistake. Sometimes we end up mixing sales and marketing so much. What, what's expected? What, what do we want out of it? What, what are we managing? Salespeople don't have much to do with marketing and marketing doesn't have much to do with the actual selling component. And yet we stick them in meetings together and the conversation at the senior levels sort of grouped together all the time, which certainly can be um, problematic. You know, I'm, I'm wondering if, you know, if someone did bring in this great salesperson, the sales warrior, right? Are there pitfalls that maybe we might think about when hiring them or, or onboarding these types of, of people? If they are the right person, they're trained and they're and come and do a great job. What, what is it the companies to think about doing to make sure you know, they've set themselves up and the person up for success? Great. Yeah, great question. So, yeah, so let's just presuppose that you found this gump, right? You found this warrior. Well, number one is that you must have an onboarding program. So we actually have a 90-day program called Warrior Selling that so many companies just use us as their onboarding program. Uh, but in the onboarding, you must teach four specific things. So number one, you must teach them the product knowledge. Number two, you must teach them the brand knowledge. Number three, you must teach them the finance knowledge, which is the money, so how to sell the ROI. And number four is you must teach the selling skills, the language, the mindset. Okay, so it's the four things, product, brand, money, and the selling skills, mindset, language piece of it. So those that has to be done. And the reason why I say 90 days is because the research says that the the leading indicators, the leading KPIs of a salesperson on day 90 has an 85% correlation to where they're going to be on month 12. Wow. So you got to give them everything you can for the first 90 days. And then you have to kind of say, okay, is this dog going to hunt or not going to hunt? You know what I mean? Like, is it going to work out or not? You know? And so I'm a big fan of hire really, really slow and fire very fast. Yeah. Right. And that's, and that's just, it's just the best way. But if you, if you give them a lot of training up front, so one, you got to give them the proper onboarding. 
Number two, you got to give them the proper coaching. So a sales manager has to do, uh, has to have a, you know, a weekly coaching session that's very structured that we can teach them how to do, uh, that goes over and giving them the knowledge, removing the leashes. Uh, you have to have a daily huddle. So a morning, a morning huddle that talks about what's your focus for today? Why is that your focus? How are you going to get there? Where are you stuck? What do you need from me? Ending day huddle, which is called an everyday win huddle. Uh, so there's structures, right? There's meetings that have to happen. There's onboarding that needs to happen. There's coaching sessions need to happen. And, but it can end that 90 days. If, if you got to really make a tough decision at that moment and say, I've done everything I can and I've got to decide, but I've seen, you know, Chris, I'll tell you right now in our, on our recruiting side, uh, we have a guarantee that if they don't perform, we replace them, you know, again, we replace them for free at the end of 90 days. We're only replacing about 20%, but I will tell you the ones that we're replacing, it's when they don't have that other state. We do the onboarding for them. So we do the training built in, but they're not doing the coaching. They're not doing the daily huddles. Right. So if you, if you bring in a Tom Brady level of warrior, well, they, he wants to play for a great coach. You know, he left Bill Belichick at the end because he said, okay, you know, I'm done with all of your micromanagement. But he chose to work for Bill Belichick in the beginning because he was a warrior and he needed that structure that Bill Belichick was going to give him and that accountability and that oversight that he was going to give him. Not to get too deep into sports, but I think he wanted to be a coach as well, right? He wanted to be a part of that, of what Bill was doing. And uh, Bill didn't want him to do that. And he's been around long enough and has enough to offer. And I think he went to a place where he could be the leader and sort of the coach at this at some level of a coach, right? Anyways, not to get off into NFL football, um, but you can certainly see some of those correlations. And I think what's important, what you mentioned earlier about hiring, hiring slow and firing fast. I mean, we've had people that maybe didn't hit where we expected them to hit in the first 90 days, but you could see they understood you under, you could see the, the ability and the skill, and they just needed more help to get really get going in our particular industry. It takes the sale can take a long time. Uh, and yet other people, even if they got deals in the first 90 days, you still were worried, do they even get it? Like it was just, just pure luck or their network or whatever, right? And ultimately at that 90 day mark, whatever we were thinking was was generally pretty accurate, pretty close to 100%. Right. That's a really interesting sort of way of thinking about it. I wanna make sure that we, uh, and people, I'm sure our, our, our listeners are be fascinated, uh, would love to connect with a company like yours that can help. I've never heard of a sales recruiting uh, company as well, especially one that combines the onboarding and the and the training and all of that. So, you know, what's the best way for people to find out more about your organization and and, and if they want to bring that in and, and get help from you, what's the best way for them to do that? Perfect. Yeah. So just go to go to fpg.com. So F is in forest, P is in performance, G is in group.com. And you can book yourself right on our calendar and we could talk to you about the services. In addition to that, I have a, I have a free offer for everyone. So my book, the mindset of a sales warrior. <clears throat> Again, it was listed as the best sales book in 2019 in the world by Stevie Award. And it goes over the mindset stuff that we've talked about today. Well, if you go to warriormindsetbook.com, warriormindsetbook.com, people can get the book for free. They just pay shipping and handling. And then there's a bunch of other offers, or they can go pay full price on Amazon plus shipping. So just warriormindsetbook.com, they get the book for, for free and play shipping and handling. Well, fantastic. I know we'll uh, certainly be checking out your services and I hope everyone else does as well. Jason, thank you so much for being a part of the show today. I really appreciate your, your thoughts and your wisdom. And I think you helped really crystallize for people 
where they should be thinking about the different parts of the business in the right place and certainly reminding them about the power of mindset. So thank you so much. And uh, hopefully we can have you come back at some point and give us an update on everything you're doing. I'm sure when you release your eighth or your ninth book, we can love to have you come back and talk about it. Well, we didn't even talk about the book that I actually wrote last year, which was the How to Sell Through the Coronavirus. Well, you started to mention it. So what's the, what's the title of that one? I'll make sure people can check it out. It's literally called How to Sell Through the Coronavirus. Fantastic. <laughs> so you, can, you can get it on Amazon. Uh, and I, when I released it, when I released it in March of 2020, it was the best-selling book that week on on sales, which of course, you know, very relevant and timely. So it's a quick read. You get on Kindle, it's very quick. It's read in an hour. So we'll we'll certainly put a link on our uh, live feed on Twitter at PeopleG2 if you need to click that link and want to get over to there to to pick up the book. So Jason, thank you so much again for being a part of the show. Awesome. Thanks, man. See you guys. Thanks everyone for listening to today's show. Hopefully you've learned and gained something you can use in your own career in a positive way. Until next time, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. You've been listening to Talent Talk Radio brought to you by People G2.